Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together, verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we are putting in at Jeremiah. We are going to back up just a little bit, chapter 14, and we're going to officially put in in chapter 4. So chapter 4 start. I mean, excuse me, chapter 14, verse 4. So in verse 4, um, we're saying, it, it says, because the ground that is dismayed, because of the ground that is dismayed, since there is no rain on the land, the farmers are ashamed. They cover their heads. Even the doe in the field forsakes her newborn fawn because there is no grass. So <clears throat> this is a period of time where um, Josiah, uh, the young king, has passed, has died. Uh, Jehoiahaz reigned only three months, which is Josiah's uncle. Now you got Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah. He rejected his dad's revival. Um, and this is sort of a period of time where um, Jeremiah is writing, uh, there's drought now. And there's famine coming on the nation of Israel. The land is being punished even more because the revival, the partial revival that was getting started under Josiah is now stopped, you know. And that little bit of revival that, that they were trying to do, they've now sort of turned back and um, they're forgetting God even more. And it's almost worse now because they had the book of the law. Uh, Jeremiah's father, Hilkiah, find it, you know, found it and gave it to Josiah. And Josiah was having it read back to the people. The people were starting to have a revival. But since uh, Je- uh, Josiah uh, took that ill-advised trip and fought uh King Nico of Egypt and uh, was mortally wounded by an arrow. He dies now. Jeremiah finds himself probably all alone. Um, any um, protection that he had under 
young King Josiah is probably long gone now because um, this, you know, this new king, Jehoiakim, his own son, who doesn't even like, you know, what he's doing, uh, would probably not even give him any protection from the people. So Jeremiah's feeling by himself, and the land is definitely having no blessing. Life is not a blessing. And uh, as we start off today, I just can't help but ask the question, how many of us have felt just alone? Maybe we're not alone with people. Maybe we are alone. Maybe we don't have a friend on earth. But, But sometimes we're surrounded by people, but sometimes we just feel like we're still alone. We're surrounded by people or we're doing stuff, but we just find like there's no pleasure in the land. There's no ple- There's almost like a drought in your heart or there's almost like a famine that you feel in your own life. You know, you just, you're feeling like you're monetarily in debt, spiritually in debt, uh, just happiness in debt. Everything is uh, in a rut. Have you ever felt that way? Well, I think we probably all have felt that way. But this famine, this drought, this loneliness is sort of a, um, for sure, uh, life version sometimes of how we all feel. And uh, I'll back up in chapter 14, verse 1, the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah concerning the drought. Okay, so this is the drought. This is the warning that God is using. And this is this is warning the people. And um, it's interesting that down in verse 3 of this, her nobles sent their servants for water. They come to the cisterns. They find no water. They return with their vessels empty. They are ashamed and confounded and cover their heads. They come to cisterns that find no water. Remember back in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13? For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn out cisterns for themselves. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. Those are the sins. They've forsaken me, and then they've traded the living waters for broken cisterns. Cisterns were the system of holding water when it rained, so they would have fresh water. So they traded living water that would be an eternal supply for this temporary supply held in cisterns that can't even hold the water. That's how bad it is. So this is sort of this reference back to the beginning in chapter 2. Okay, the people have... For, and then um, the people have forsaken God and traded it in for broken cisterns. And now that the drought is here, there is no living water, and the water that the cisterns are supposed to hold are broken. Okay, they're just broken. So this is this reference to the cisterns that we were talking about um, back in chapter 2. 
Verse 5, even the doe in the field forsakes her newborn fawn. This is famine. The doe that just gives birth has to leave the baby because there's no food. There's no water. What can you do? This is, this is so sad. And then Jeremiah prays, verse 7, Though our iniquities testify against us, act, O Lord, for your name's sake, for our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. Jeremiah is now praying with repentance. And notice that when he prays, he's confessing sins on behalf of the people. And interesting that he takes his place with the people asking for forgiveness. He's not praying, saying, oh God, these people are so lousy. Please, you know, forgive everybody because these people are so lousy. He's not judging them at all. These people have brought all this on him themselves. They deserve it. But Jeremiah, he takes his place right along beside them. He's, he, he, he includes himself in this bag of sinners. That's humility. And it's a lesson to us as we pray. We need to pray spiritually on our very knees because there's not one single person who is good in the eyes of the Lord. No matter how relative the good and the evil is, you know, you can say, oh, at least I'm better than these people. Jeremiah prays and he lumps all sinners together. We'll jump over to God gives an answer in verse 13. The Lord said to me, do not pray for the welfare of this people. Though they fast, I will not hear their cry. And though they burn offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. God's saying, you know, these people... Now, he's, he's, he's notice how he's singling out the people who um, are crying out to them. He's, they're crying. They're praying out to him. But they're doing it with bad hearts. They're trying to burn offerings and offer grain and all this other stuff. But God knows their hearts. And their hearts are just, are, they haven't been changed. The evil in these folks' hearts is still there when they are praying or when they are burning their offerings. And when we pray, we need to pray not only like Jeremiah on his knees, spiritually acknowledging every sin and considering himself no better than the worst of the worst because nobody's good enough in the eyes of the Lord. But also, we need to not pray like these other people who were praying for the welfare even though their hearts weren't changed. When we pray to God, we have to have a changed heart. We have to have a heart that is utterly open crying to be changed. Verse 13, Then I said, Ah, oh, Lord, 
And this ah, A-H, you know, that's like a cry of sorrow. Then I said, ah, Lord, behold the prophets. Say to them, you shall not see the sword now, nor shall you have famine, but I will give you assured peace in this place. And he's saying, Lord, I hear other prophets saying there's not going to be the sword coming and the famine and the pestilence. Because remember, God just said, I will consume them by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. And then Jeremiah saying, but oh, Lord, I've heard other prophets say, there's not going to be this stuff coming. There's not going to be famine, the sword, and the pestilence. You know, Jeremiah is saying, at this point, I don't even know who's telling the truth. I'm prophesying in your name, but I hear other people prophesying too, and maybe they're the true prophets, and maybe I'm not doing a good enough job. Jeremiah is so low on his knees right now. Verse 14, the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless, worthless, uh, divination and the deceit of their own minds okay god's answering them right answering jeremiah right back he's saying look those are false prophets and they're not doing anything in my name verse 16 and the people to whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets of jerusalem victims of famine and the sword with none to bury them their wives their sons their daughters for i will pour out evil upon them God's saying, not only are there false prophets, but the people that are hearing all this prophecy, whose hearts haven't been changed, they're going to be victims of all this, and they're going to, it's going to be so bad. I have to clean out this worthless generation that is beyond hope, that is beyond anything I can do for them at this point in time. They're not even going to have anybody bury them. Because nobody cares about anybody else anyway. Verse 17. You shall say to them this word. Let my eyes run down with tears night and day. Let them not cease. For the virgin daughter of my people is shattered with a great wound. With a grievous blow. God's saying you can cry for the people. And you can say this with emotion. Evil men can't bring peace in this world. There is no one that can bring peace in this world. So when you hear people prophesying or saying we're going to bring peace or finally we have peace, just realize that nobody can bring peace except the Lord Jesus. And he's calling Jeremiah to say, and it's interesting that he calls Jeremiah this, this tender-hearted man this tender-hearted man of emotion to deliver this shattering message to people who are so evil, their hearts aren't even going to change. But the people are going to see the emotion that God has. He does not take any delight in having to get rid of this generation. The Word of God needs to be delivered with the emotion of God. The gospel message is a message of hope. It's a message of forgiveness. 
It's a message of trust. That's the gospel message. We don't need to be sharing the gospel message with one another trying to condemn people. The gospel message is a message of hope. Hope for all of us. There's none of us. We're all on our knees before the Lord. None of us are super Christians. None of us are a little bit better because somebody sings in the choir or somebody plays an instrument for the church or somebody leads a Bible study or different things like that. None of us are better than anybody else for what we do. We all need to take the lowest of the low position. It's a message, of, it's a message with emotion from the Lord to us. It's a message of love. Chapter 15, verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my heart would not turn toward this people. Send them out of my sight and let them go. God's saying to, to Jeremiah, Look, even if Moses and Samuel, these great people who would beg for, the pe beg for the people before, even if these guys stood before me, even Moses or Samuel wouldn't turn my heart. So don't feel bad because you've prayed for the people. My heart hasn't been turned. At this point in time, they, these people are beyond judgment and they are, I mean, they're ready for judgment. They're beyond help. And even the great Moses or the great Samuel, even Moses or Samuel, couldn't say anything to turn my heart at this point. This is how bad these people are. Okay? And this is a God of ultimate forgiveness. But these people, God knows their hearts. To be forgiven, you've got to want to be forgiven. These people don't. Verse, so now we're in chapter 15. We'll drop down to verse 5. Who will have pity on you, O Jerusalem? Or who will grieve for you? Who will turn aside to ask about your welfare? You have rejected me, declares the Lord. You keep on going backward. So I have stretched out my hand against you and destroyed you. I am weary of relenting. Remember how it said all through um, the Psalms and Ecclesiastes that the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord? Well, these people don't even fear the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the fact that when you reject the Lord, God's got to punish that rejection because you're lost in your sin and God cannot have sin in His presence. So, the wrath of God is for sin. God is, God's wrath destroys sin. That's why there's a healthy fear. Because we are so bad. We are so lost in sin. If our hearts, if we don't, if we, if we allow ourselves to reject the Lord in His righteousness... We can be like this. We don't want to end up like these people. So we need to keep our hearts centered on Him and not let our hearts become hardened like these people. God's 
God's ultimate, the only move He's got left when people reject Him like this is His wrath to destroy sin, to destroy them. They've become sin. Jesus Christ had to become sin to take away the sins of the world. And ultimately, Jesus Christ paid that price and had to die. A mortal death, just like these people. So this is how bad sin is and what sin can do to all of us. Verse 10, Woe is me, my mother, that you bore me, a man of strife and contention to the whole land. I have not lent, nor have I borrowed, yet all of them curse me. This is Jeremiah. (laughs) He's complaining to the Lord. He's saying, Woe is me. You know, I am sorry I was born because all I've got, you know, is hardship, contention, you know, and everybody here is against me. I don't have a friend on earth. And it's like I haven't lent anything to people or borrowed from people, but everybody's cursing me as if I did. You know, there's not that you want to make somebody mad at you. Borry something from them and don't pay them back. They are instantly mad at you. You want to make something somebody mad at you? Lend people money and then try to ask for it back. And they're mad at you. Money always drives tension. Everyone's against him. And it's if he says it, it's it was if I haven't lent anybody anything. I haven't borrowed anybody money from anybody. I haven't done anything to anybody yet. Everybody's against me, just like as if I'd been a borrower that wouldn't pay back or a lender that's asking for it back. McGee says that Jeremiah may be even using a little humor there. You know, like, this is what it feels like, Lord. Verse 16 Now Jeremiah is feeling so bad. What does he do? He says, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. What did Jeremiah do? He found the book of the law, and he he read them. He digested them. He read them, and those words came inside him. And his words gave him encouragement and joy. Joy, remember, comes from the word beatus. That means blessing. That beatus means joy, happiness. The word of God is our blessing. The word of God blesses us as we hear it, gives us joy. And Jeremiah found encouragement in the word of God. Verse 19, Therefore, thus says the Lord, If you return, I will restore you, and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. And I will make you, and I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. 
They will fight against you, but they will not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. So, the Lord is telling Jeremiah that he's going to be a fortified wall of bronze when people are trying to be against him. He's going to strengthen him. And many are going to fight against him, but he'll deliver them. Verse 21, I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. Verse uh, chapter, uh, well, so as we conclude chapter 15, just Jeremiah is finding his hope in God's word. So when we're feeling down in the dumps, when we're feeling that spiritual famine or that spiritual drought like we were talking about at the beginning of this study, we need to pray like Jeremiah prayed. We also need to share our hearts with God, tell God what's on our mind. You know, every little thing that we need to um, to tell Him about. But we also, so we need to pray. We need to share our hearts with Him. But we also need to read His Word. We need to find encouragement in God's Word. Because the Word of God is there to fortify you like a wall of bronze when you're in that spiritual drought or when everybody's against you, just like (laughs) the whole world was against Jeremiah. Find your strength. Find your joy. Let your heart be delighted in the Word of God. He wants to make you this fortified wall of bronze. He wants to deliver you from the hand of the wicked. He wants to redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. Now, let's check out chapter 16. The word of the Lord came to me. It's Remember, the word of the Lord is always, it always starts with the word of God, right? The Word of God's coming to Jeremiah all the time. The Word of God has come to us too. It's right there in your lap with your Bible. It's there. The Word of God has come to you and me too. The Word of God came to me. You shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons or daughters in this place. For thus says the Lord concerning the sons and the daughters who are born in this place, concerning the mothers who uh, bore them and the fathers who fathered them in this land, they shall... Uh, die of deadly diseases. They shall not be lamented, nor shall they be buried. Though They shall be as dung on the surface of the ground. They shall perish by the sword and by famine, and their dead bodies shall be food for the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. This is bad, isn't it? Sometimes the Word of God comes to encourage us, Sometimes the Word of God comes to fortify us and deliver us and redeem us. Sometimes the Word of God comes to warn us. To warn us. He's warning Jeremiah right here. Don't get married. Don't have kids. Because what you're getting ready to go through would kill them. 
Sometimes it's better for a little baby never to be born. Sometimes it's better that they not have to experience life. I'd rather them not have to go through what many are going to have to go through. God has sovereignty. God knows the future. God knows the present. God knows the past. Sometimes God just knows best. And then we have to trust, and we don't know why. Sometimes women will say, well, why can't I have a child? Maybe I'm barren. Maybe something didn't work out. Maybe I never found the person to get married to or whatever. We second guess our life. Wouldn't it have been easy there for Jeremiah to second guess his life? Like, I wish I had a son. His heart becomes bitter. Or I wish I had a daughter. His heart becomes bitter. Or why everybody else has a wife. Or maybe I should get a wife because she'd help me through all this hardship. But God knows better sometimes. So that's just the way this reads to me. Sometimes God just understands because he knows what's coming. And when we trust him, like Jeremiah obviously did, Jeremiah didn't know how bad it was going to get. But God does. Verse 14, we'll drop down there. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it shall no longer be said as the Lord lives, who brought up the people out of Israel, out of the land of Egypt. But as the Lord lives, who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them, for I will bring them back to their own land that I gave to their fathers. What's he saying here? He's saying the days are coming when people aren't going to look back and say, remember when God brought us out of Egypt? You know, the days are coming when people are going to say, Remember when God brought all the people out of all these lands that that remember when Israel got broken and God drove the people out into the Assyria into Assyria or Babylon remember the days when God brought all these people back to hunt to the to our own land God's looking even farther down the road now and he's telling Jeremiah to tell the people even though you're getting ready to be destroyed, there's going to be a time where I will save some of you. And those generate that generation will look back one day and remember being brought not out of the land of Egypt, but out of the land of these countries. Back to our land. He's promising that he will restore a remnant, that he will save part of Israel, Judah. This is hope for the future. You know, there's always a glimmer of hope. And as McGee says, and sometimes when it's the darkest of the dark, that's when the light of the Lord shines the brightest. Verse 21, But therefore, behold, I will make them know this. Once I will make them know my power and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. 
He's got to instruct them on who he is. Again, he's got to take it from the top. This generation is going to have to learn who I am. They've forgotten the word of my law. They forgot my ways of my teaching, and they don't even know my name. They don't even know who I am anymore. They've completely forsaken me. Now let's hit verse uh, chapter 17. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with a point of diamond. It is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of their altars, while their children remember their altars in their ashram. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron. That means like iron idols and the point of a diamond engraved on the tablet of their heart, on the horns of their altars. The sin of Judah is because their hearts have forsaken God. And this... Um, sin is engraved and it's it's like permanent sin strongly written sin is just engraved in their hearts and that's like set in stone and that's like what their hearts have become their hearts have become hardened like iron or like stone That's how hard their sin is in their hearts. Verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. It's terrible to put your own uh, faith in your own strength. Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in man's wisdom. Don't trust in your own ability to be strong or to get up or how smart you are or, you know, how your day is supposed to go. Trust in your schedule or what you've accomplished in your life. Don't trust any of that. That's To, to, to have that kind of trust is to be just cursed. That's how bad it is to trust in yourself. And we take that for granted because... It's so tempting to trust in your own self, isn't it? To trust in your own ability to work things out. Or trust in your own judgment. Trust in your own thinking. Trust in your own wisdom. My goodness. When you start getting like that, God's saying, living like that is to be cursed. It's so bad. Don't get anywhere near trusting your own self. Verse 7, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Yeah, I missed that the first time I read it. And I'm now I'm getting it with you right now. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. So you're trusting in the Lord, And the Lord is to trust. I mean, that's complete trust, isn't it? To trust in something 
and who tr- and whose trust is something. Don't trust in yourself. It's you have to trust the Lord through and through. Verse eight. Now we're talking about this guy who trusts. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. This complete trust is like being planted by a stream. And the trust is always going to be there for the roots. So when the when the heat comes, when trouble comes, there's no fear because you have a source of power that overcomes the heat. You have this stream of water that continues, no matter how bad it gets. And is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. It's like a tree that bears fruit in the drought because its roots have extended to this supply of water and power and nurture and nutrition that just doesn't go away. Now I come to a, 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 a section of verses that I really do like. Verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Wow. The heart is deceitful above all things. You want to know how good you are, God says that the human heart is just about as deceitful as it gets. Even the tongue so bad, but the heart is really bad. It deceives, it's very deceitful and desperately sick. That's how bad our hearts are. Who can understand it? Our hearts are desperately sick. Have you ever had a picture of somebody in a hospital bed clinging for their life, desperately clinging on a ventilator or desperately sick in the ICU or something like that? That's a picture of how desperately sick we are. We don't even realize it because we're trusting in ourselves But this is the condition of Judah. This is a condition like all of us without the presence of God. The heart is deceitful above all things. And that's humbling. That's convicting. Because we're praying always for Christ-centered hearts. We have to keep our hearts Christ-centered. If we're off center just a little bit, we're desperately sick. We're desperately ill. And the Lord says, I search the heart and test the mind. God understands your heart. 
your motives, your thinking, your decisions. God knows why you do something. He knows why you smile at people. Are you smiling because you want them to like you? Or are you smiling at them because you want to, because you just lied to them? Are you smiling at them because you really don't like them, but it's just you're smiling because you don't want to have a fight with them? God knows your hearts. God knows every little decision you make. Even though your heart can deceive others really easy, you can't deceive God. And even though your heart is desperately sick, you may have a spiritual drought in your heart. You may have a famine in your heart. Every morning you wake up, God already knows that. But God searches your heart and tests you what you're thinking about, tests your mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruits of his deeds. God wants you to trust him and God wants you to produce fruit. He doesn't want you to be a barren tree. He doesn't want your life to be just a tree that's withered up when it gets hot. He wants your tree to bear fruit no matter what uh, the, the weather. And down we'll close with verse 12. A glorious throne set on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. Where do we find hope? We find hope in the Lord. This glorious throne of Jesus Christ, of God the Father, of our Lord. That glorious throne of the Lord's throne is our place of safety, our place of trust, our place of hope. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's everything. We're desperately sick. We need hope. We're desperately, desperately sick. We are every day. We need Him that bad. We need to trust Him that bad. He needs to be our trust. We trust in Him and He's the sole source. So for me to all of you, I hope this was encouraging. This is an awesome, powerful study and so many verses could be now our favorite verses for this study for sure. Jeremiah 17 is so powerful. I compare it to uh, Romans 15, 13. And um, let's see if I can... Romans 15, 13 reads, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Our hope is that glorious throne set on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. It comes from the God of hope, 
that fills us with all joy and peace as we trust in Him so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you as you trust in Him today and keep your heart centered on Christ. So for me to all of you, God bless you. I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Isn't this a great study? I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Take care. God bless you as you trust in Him. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Jeremiah, beginning at chapter 14, verses 4, all the way to chapter 17, verse 27. So in this section of Jeremiah, um, from Jeremiah 14 to Jeremiah 17, he gave a message during the reign of Jehoiakim. So here, King Josiah, during the last part of his reign, died and... um, you know, because he had not heeded God's advice and he fought against um, Pharaoh Necho of Egypt in, you know, at Megiddo in the battle of Armageddon. And he was wounded and he died. And Jeremiah mourned uh, the passing of King Josiah because King Josiah was one of the last good kings and he was trying to do right by God. And Jeremiah mourned because the nation was going to plunge back into idolatry, which it did, and it was a terrible time, and it was an evil time. So the first thing that happened was a drought. So God sent a drought, and it was a judgment from God. So we begin at verse 4 of <clears throat> chapter 14 of Jeremiah, and it reads, Because the ground is parched, for there was no rain in the land, The plowmen were ashamed. They covered their heads. So Jeremiah mentions the condition of the nation with regards to the drought. So this was a judgment from God, and this was one of the first things. So scripture goes on to read in verse 5 and 6, Yes, the deer also gave birth in the field, but left because there was no grass, and the wild donkey stood in the desolate heights. They sniffed at the wind like jackals their eyes failed because there was no grass so here you know you find the animals the cattle you know they ran off and you know once they 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 had their calves they ran off to seek water and the calves died and god was judging them and this is one of the 13 uh famines in scripture and all are in you know all are a judgment of God upon the land to show the people that you know they had rejected the water of life and that was the word of God so hence the land was barren and dry and arid and this was happening in um this was happening uh spiritual to the nation so um Verse 7 of chapter 14 goes on to read, O Lord, um, though our iniquities testify against us, do it for your name's sake, for our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. So Jeremiah here, he went up to cry to God. And, you know, he takes his place with his people as one of uh, the sinners. So he was not boasting. 
you know, he his prayer was not like that of the Pharisees, like saying, oh, Lord, you know, because I am truthful to your word. I walk in your light. I do this and that, you know, um, he wasn't. He took um, his place with his people and said, I am a sinner. You know, forgive us our iniquities for I am a sinner as well. And today, you know, we have God saints who are judgmental and critical of others. And they say, oh, this and this person is so mean, you know, and they boast when they pray. They pray like the Pharisees and Jeremiah didn't pray like so. So he identified himself with God's people and we ought to take our place with God's people. We ought to identify ourselves with God's people. And then it's easier to go out there and talk to God's people about the judgment of God. You cannot go and make, you know, critical judgments um, against people um, and, um, and, you know, you cannot go and make critical judgments against people and just, you know, say, you know, you're like this and that um, and expect people to actually listen to you. Um, so verse 13 of chapter 14 reads, um, Then I said, um, Ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, You shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine. But I will give you assured peace in this place. So here, Jeremiah, you know, the darkness is gathering and people are stumbling on the mountain. So, and, you know, there's pro false prophets here that are predicting peace and prosperity and all is going to be fine. And it wasn't. So God was judging them. And, um, you know, and Jeremiah here, you know, he was beginning to actually doubt because he was a young prophet and he was now alone because, you know, with the death of King Josiah and he was beginning to doubt and wondering if he was giving the correct message. So verse 14 here goes on to read, And the Lord said to the prophets, Prophes, uh, Prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, um, commanded them or spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing and the deceit of their hearts. So here the false prophets were lying and, you know, Jeremiah was beginning to doubt, like was beginning to wonder. Um, he was beginning to doubt himself. He was sure that he was giving the correct, you know, like he was wondering, am I giving the correct message or the false prophets are giving the correct message? So he is sure that he's giving God's word, but he wasn't sure of himself. And he goes to God and God tells him, the false prophets are lying and this will put him back into the firing line again. So, um, you know, it's going to put him in back into this line of where he's going to give a message, a harsh message, and it's going to affect a lot of people. So um, dropping down to verse 17, it reads, Therefore you shall say um, this word to them, Let my eyes flow with tears night and day and let them not cease. For the virgin daughter of my people has been broken with a mighty stroke, with a very severe blow. So here, um, this message was breaking his heart, and Jeremiah was weeping as he gave this message. He wanted the people, uh, you know, to actually understand that, you know, that's the way um, God felt. And Jeremiah was not only giving this word, but expressing his feelings. And today, you know, we are all witnesses, and what we are saying sometimes by our lives 
you know, when we speak it, it should actually conform to it. So we shouldn't give out the word of God, you know, in a cold-hearted manner, judgmental and critical. We should give it out with feeling. This is the only way, like, people would actually listen um, and not go in judgment and be very cold-hearted and critical and say, oh, hey, you're going to, you're going to hell. Um, and, you know, people are not going to listen. So here we go to chapter 15 of Jeremiah. And it's, you know, Jeremiah goes to God and he wants to pray for his people and God answers him. So here, um, verse 1 of chapter 15 reads, Then the Lord said to me, Even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, my mind would not be favorable towards his people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. So here, you know, there was absolutely no hope or help for these people from God as they have gone too far and judgment is coming. So here God is saying, you know, even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, my mind would be made up because these people have gone too far, have gone too deep down that dark hole. And, um, you know, Moses here, he was a marvelous intercessor. He was a good intercessor. And God said he would destroy the people and fulfill his promise through Moses. Moses went in prayer before God and God held back judgment. And he brought the people back to the land. So if Moses was present, God said it wouldn't help, even if he went and stood and tried to intercede for his people. So Samuel could also pray for his people and judgment was averted time and time again because Samuel and because of Samuel and his prayers so now even if Samuel was present God wouldn't hear it uh, um, wouldn't hear of him because these people had gone too far down and here Jeremiah was trying to intercede for his people and God said he wasn't going to hear it so um, chapter 15 verse 5 and 6 goes on to read um, for who will have pity on you O Jerusalem or who will bemoan you or who will turn aside to ask how you are doing? You have forsaken me, says the Lord. You have gone backwards, backslidden. Um, therefore, I will stretch out my hand against you and destroy you. I am weary of relenting. So here, God is saying, you know, I am tired of you coming and saying, you're going to do better, but you go back and, um, you know, and you continue in the same sin. So judgment is coming. And, you know, this didn't make Jeremiah popular. He went back to the firing line after God actually, um, you know, told him, you know, you go on and preach the, the words, the other prophets are lying. And that didn't make uh, uh, Jeremiah popular. And, you know, Joachim wasn't a friend of Jeremiah. He was an evil man and he didn't like Jeremiah at all. So verse 10 of chapter 15 goes on to read, Woe is me, my, woe is me, my mother, that have borne me a man of strife and a man of contention um, to the whole earth. I have neither lent for interest nor have men lent to me for interest. Every one of them curses me. So Jeremiah here went to God to cry out and he says, nobody likes me because my words are terrible to them. You know, Dr. J.P. McGee said, you know, I, girl, I may gurgle with Listerine, 
but still nobody likes me because my words are terrible to them. So he hasn't lent money or borrowed money from anybody. And this is one way of losing friends. You lend out money and you can't pay back or you borrow money. or you, So you lend out money and, they, and the person you lent it out can't pay back or you borrow money and the person can't pay back. And people tend to just um, not like you for that. And that's just a fast way of losing friends. So here verse 16 goes on to read, um, your words were found and I ate them and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. So this is a bright note here and Jeremiah turns to the word of God um, that was has been written and was found and Jeremiah is, um, you know, he digested, he ate the word of God, he took the word of God um, that had been found and he, you know, he took um, consolation in it and it became a part of him he digested it so we need to get into the word of God today and not just you know on the surface not just surface revival we need to get into the word of God and God can take it and bring joy uh, and rejoicing to our hearts that joy that we so so much seek um, so here Jeremiah Jeremiah's hometown family and brethren had actually rejected him. So if we go down to verse 21, it says, I will deliver you from the hands of the wicked and I will redeem you from the grip of the terrible. So here God is assuring Jeremiah. God says, uh, stay in the firing line and keep giving out my word. I will protect you. So Jeremiah's hometown family, brethren, they had rejected him and his life was in danger. But God was assuring him that he was going to actually protect him. So um, we move on to chapter 16. And here, chapter 16, um, the days are getting you know, difficult and the nation is coming to its end. And you know, they are in a 10-year um 10 years of that darkness and destruction of Jerusalem. So verse 1, beginning at chapter 16, verse 1 says, The word of the Lord also came to me, saying, You shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons and daughters in this place. For thus says the Lord concerning the sons and daughters who are born in this place and concerning the mothers who are born from who are born, who bore them, and their fathers who begot them in this land, they shall die gruesome deaths, and they shall not be lamented, nor shall they be buried, but they shall be like refuse on the face of the earth, and they shall be consumed by the sword and by famine, and their corpses shall be meat for the birds or or of heaven, and for the beasts of the earth. So here, you know, this is the reason why God said to Jeremiah that he was not to get married. Um, and we can actually relate this to Psalms 137, verse 8 and 9, which reads, O daughter of Babylon, who are to be destroyed, happy the one who repays you as you you served us happy the one who takes and dashes the little one against the rock so here um you know this is what happened when nebuchadnezzar took the city it was a bad time and god gave him a reason why not to get married and have children this is what happened and something 
And sometimes it's actually just best not to bring children into this cruel, evil world. So today the situation we are in is worrying, especially for our young. You know, you have a lot of like bad influences and vices that are going on because this is the new morality and it's just sad. And, you know, you tend to wonder if I bring this young person into the world today. And this was the situation here in Jeremiah's case. God told him, do not marry or have children because it's not a good time. To, you know, it won't be a good time to actually bring children into the world. So verse 14 and 15, we have a bright note here of chapter 16, which reads, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. But the Lord lives who brought up the children um, of Israel from the land of of the north and from all the lands where he had driven them for I will bring them back into their land which I gave their fathers so here it's a bright note and he looks down to the future and sees the light you know at the end of that tunnel you know the dark I got the brighter the light was and um, you know the day is coming when God will bring them back to the land so dropping down to verse 21 of chapter 16, it reads, Therefore, behold, I will this once cause them to know, I will cause them to know my hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. So here are people today who don't believe God is out there. And, you know, one day he will make it known that he is out there and he it's going to be like very impressive. So um, he's going to make it known, you know, God's not silent. So um, chapter 17 of today's te uh, message, today's teaching, um, here the message is uh, of the unmarried prophet. Chapter 17, verse 1 goes, to re goes on to read, The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with the point of a diamond. It is engraved on the tablet of their hearts and on the horns of your altars so here you know it was in you know evil was in their religion and they were evil in everything that they did and these were the people of judah they were just evil um they didn't listen they they, they didn't heed god's call and um you know through the prophet jeremiah so verse 5 goes on to read thus says the lord cursed is a man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart departs from the Lord. So, you know, don't depend, don't put all your trust and hope in men. You know, today people tend to put all their trust and hope in men because, you know, they say, oh, hey, they're going to sort out the problems of the world or they're going to sort out the problems of the current situation that we are in. But, you know, um, that doesn't happen. Let us put our trust in God today. Verse 7 goes on to read, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord for whose hope is in the Lord. So, um, you know, you will be blessed if you trust in God because God is the creator. God has all the answers and you will be blessed if you just put all your trust and belief in God. Verse 8 goes on to read, For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So, you know, let us put our trust in the living God, the living water, and let us put our trust, all our trust in God. 
Verse 9 goes on to read, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So, you know, your heart and my heart, uh, we all have heart trouble. Our heart is evil beyond comprehension. Who can know it? And um, verse 10 goes on to read, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruits of his doing. So only, God, you know, God says, I intend to judge them. And God will judge. Um, and only God can change a person's heart. So um, let us trust in the Lord. And only God can do a transplant and change our heart and give us a new heart. And um, when we go to him, um, he gives a new life and a new nature. So verse 12 goes on to read, A glorious high throne from the beginning in the place of our sanctuary. So, you know, the hope of this man you know, is our hope. So a sanctuary here, this is a place of worship, a place of safety, peace, you know, a place that gives us joy and, you know, helps us to rejoice. So, you know, we're living in a very dangerous time, a very sad time, a very evil and wicked time. And we have a sanctuary and that's, you know, the high throne of our God. So let us come with boldness to this throne of grace and let us trust in God to give us a new heart, a new nature, a new personality. And um, yeah, let us trust in, you know, that high throne in the grace and glory of God. And this is what, you know, despite the sad message that Jeremiah, you know, the harsh message that Jeremiah was carrying and everybody hating him, he still had that joy and was rejoicing in God. So yeah, this is today's message. Thank you all for listening in. God bless and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.